0: Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nouri and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. In this week's episode, we're mixing things up in a big way. One of the top requests I've gotten since I started this podcast is to do a behind the scenes episode on my journey as a podcast host and now first time entrepreneur. So this week I've handed over the mic to my husband, Drew Perowit, who's graciously stepping into the role of host. In today's episode, we're covering two main topics that I think listeners of this podcast are really going to enjoy. Number one, the origin story of Behind Her Empire and why I decided to start the podcast, including the ups and downs I've been through along the way. And number two, a behind the scenes look at my journey in starting my new company, BIA, including how I came up with the idea how it's going so far and my advice for anyone looking to start a business. I'm not going to lie, doing this episode was a little tough for me. I've been sitting on it for a year because honestly, I was a little nervous of being interviewed and was so comfortable being on the other side of the mic. But I got over it and realized that even if one person feels inspired by my journey, then it's so worth it. Before we jump in, I'd love to get your thoughts on this episode and hear any feedback you have. You can email me at yasmin at behindherempire.com or say hi on Instagram. I'm at yasminknori. I'm always looking for ways to add value and help inspire you. Now on that note, let's jump in.
1: Yasmin, Yasmin Nori, thank you. For handing over the microphone to me, I feel privileged and honored to be in the host seat and you're the guest. So welcome to your podcast. Oh
0: my gosh. This is completely outside my comfort zone. We've been wanting to do this for a while and I'm excited. Nothing has been rehearsed. I have no idea what my husband's going to be asking me today, but I'm excited to jump into it.
1: Babe, let's talk origin stories. Where does the passion around women and business and the intersection of both of those where does that come from? Why are you so passionate about that space? Why did you start this podcast?
0: Oh, so much to talk about here. So, I think about this a lot because I definitely have this internal motivation to like help women build businesses, create financial wealth, like just feel empowered. And I think there's a couple layers into that. One of them, I would say, It comes from both my mom and my dad. So they were divorced and they were still very good friends and raised us both and did a great job co-parenting. And one thing that they both told me is that you need to always be financially independent. And so much of my mom's career was put on hold when she had kids. So she just always wanted us to be financially independent, never rely on a man. And my dad said the same thing. So I don't know if it's a function of them getting divorced, their own upbringings, but it was very much hammered into our heads. So I think that's one element of just my upbringing and why I'm so passionate about standing on my own two feet, helping other women down that path. And secondly, I have always worked in industry. So I know I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but I was in finance, then I was in tech, and I was just always confused why there was no woman in the room like I would literally be the analyst the associate and I'm like where are the senior women here you know there's amazing people out there that I would meet but it was just so infrequent so I was just very confused and you know as I got older and I as I started exploring and trying different things in my career I still saw that common theme about where are all the amazing women and that is a big reason of why I did these dinners with a mutual friend, Shiza, which ultimately turned into these podcasts. So it's And just a
1: little background on that, if I could jump in. So when I met you, which is actually how we met, you along with your mutual friend, Shiza, who is the CEO or co-founder of Our Place, as well as the co-founder of the Malala Youssef Foundation, you guys had connected and had been friends over the years. And you had the idea of why not get all these incredible badass women in the room with her, right? You guys had the idea together. And so you started hosting these series of dinners and making it invitation only and bringing incredible women together. And at one point in time, actually you broadened it. So it was co-ed, she's invited me and that's how we met at that first dinner. But that's the dinner. That's a little context for what you're talking about. 100%.
0: 100%. And the reason why Shiz and I got together to do these dinners is this was way before my entrepreneurial journey. I left finance. I was working in tech, but I still felt like I didn't know what my purpose was and passion. But I always knew I wanted to start a business. I didn't know what that looked like because I didn't have enough examples. So this dinner was a huge motivation for me to get amazing women that I can look up to and see how we can continue to support each other. And really, was just eye-opening for me because I just saw all these incredible women. Well, what's
1: One example. I'm gonna cut you off by the way a ton in this podcast. And just for everybody who is listening, know that this comes from the place of me knowing my wife, <laughs> not trying to steal her thunder on her own podcast, but making sure that, you know, one of her fears is, and we gotta let this fear go. Everybody has fears, I have fears, is you feel like you're not making a point and I know exactly where you're going so I'm teeing you up for the next thing to say. So okay, I'm going to cut you off.
0: Please. And it.
1: if you ever want to take it back, cut me right back off I and will. say, "Wait, babe, give me a minute." So people okay? are going to see what our
0: relation- this this is, like, relationship what looks, looks like, like behind exactly, the scenes. Exactly. Yes, so to cut please. you off,
1: what was one or two examples of incredible women that were at this dinner that just stuck with you. And it was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do in the future. I have no idea what company I'm going to start. I don't know what I'm going to do. But these women's stories, they're all amazing. But these women's stories in particular really stood out to you.
0: You know, I'm going to flip it a little bit because, and I'm sure you'll remember this when I came home from that dinner, the first time I was vulnerable and opened up about my journey, about my parents being divorced and why I'm really passionate about financial freedom and how they both told me this. And it was the first time I said something and I was very vulnerable and it lit up the room in terms of like, oh my goodness, there were so many entrepreneurs in that room that had very similar experiences. And I remember just feeling goosebumps. And again, this is when I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was like, these conversations are so powerful. And these women are just like me. Like There's nothing different between my upbringing and these other women in the room. And one person that stands out, and she has yet to come on the podcast, is the founder of Beauty Counter, Greg, who had a very similar upbringing. So that just stood out to me in terms of, wow, this entrepreneurship thing and these women... Running these big businesses, it's not easy, but there's no reason why someone like me or any of my listeners can't be in that same position. So it was just a big light bulb moment on that specific dinner when I opened up and shared.
1: You saw them, you saw their journeys, and you saw yourself in it. And it's like, yes, they're special, and there's nothing difference between you and them. It's just you got to put in the work.
0: Exactly. I
1: think that's super powerful, and that's an important takeaway for the listeners. And one of the things that I think that's a takeaway from that is surrounding yourself with better people. And listen, if you live in Bumble, wherever, and you're not around a lot of great, incredible female or male entrepreneurs or whatever, wherever you can get the inspiration, if you don't live in LA, you don't live in New York, you don't live in Chicago, you don't live in Miami, often listening to a podcast like yours or other ones that are out there or just reading stories of inspirational women is one way of making sure that you get surrounded by this.
0: A 100%.
1: Okay, another origin story of this is before you actually went down the path of doing a podcast, and we're going to talk about that in a second, after this dinner series with women that you were doing, you were thinking about starting a book. Talk about that. How did that idea come from, and what was your vision and hope from it? And how did you end up switching from a book to a podcast? So what was the book idea?
0: Yeah, there's actually this book, and we had it at home. It was a coffee table book where it was highlighting women artists, I believe, right? It was mostly artists, I think. Creatives. And, creatives, yes. And I love the book. Like, if you know me, even before the podcast, I am always looking for what can just kind of inspire me to take the next step, whether it was like in a career change or starting the business, my business at the time. And I would always flip through this book when I needed just a sense of inspiration. And I remember telling you, Drew, I was like, you know what? These women are all amazing, but I don't feel like they resonate with me and my background. And I was like, let me start a book, right? Meaning that
1: they were creatives. They were and you creatives. were kind of thinking more like entrepreneurial.
0: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I just had this idea that this book can be done in a different way that was still gonna add value. And that was really the first idea that came to mind as a passion project. Again, of let me start putting together these stories. I was meeting so many amazing women at these dinners. I'm a huge proponent of networking and just putting yourself out there. So I've always been doing that. I just get so energized meeting... In- other incredible women. Because again, that's my source of inspiration. So I thought, let's do this book. And that can just be my creative project. Because again, I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was not as energized in the job that I had at the time. So this was kind of my way of figuring out my next path.
1: Okay. Why did you switch for the book? And how did you end up with a podcast? What can you remember about that time?
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. So we were talking about this We were saying how if I were to do this book, it would take forever for it to get out there. And I think for someone that's going outside their comfort zone, listen, I'm not a writer. Like, I'm not someone that does interviews. For me, that idea was great. I was like, okay, great. I'll take a year. I'll take two years. Like, who cares? Uh, Actually, let me take a quick step back. So another motivation for this book was all these stories have impact in my life that I wanted it out there. And then when we were talking, we were like, okay, a book is going to take forever, right? It could take a year, two years. Who knows? There's a lot of
1: steps. You got to get a publisher. Oh, if you want to go down that route, then you have to get like a designer. And not that it's not a worthy thing. Yeah. Just for your first kind of big project in that space is like, do you want to go through all these hoops before you know, if this is this a project that you really want to commit to? Is a little bit of the conversation.
0: Yes. And of course, my husband here who you guys are listening to has a podcast so we had all this materials during covid we had all the mics and everything at home so i th- i thought you know why don't i just put a season let me get like eight women i did not think it would be a weekly podcast let me just get a handful of women and just put it out there again this was totally outside my comfort zone and i don't know if you want to share the story our first date what you were saying well was- <laughs>
1: yes absolutely on our first date immediately i actually i don't think it was our first date i think it was like our second or third date Okay, right on our second or third day, one of the things I was saying to you, I literally told you, I think you're going to have a podcast one day because you naturally... Now, some people may look at that and say, okay, well, he has a podcast, so he probably thinks that everybody should have a podcast. No, everybody should not have a podcast, <laughs> right? I don't think everybody should have a podcast. Why I thought you should have a podcast is that you are naturally inquisitive. You're so passionate about the story. And in this case, you know, the intersection of women in business You are doing this all the time naturally. All somebody has to do is just hit the record in front of you and just capture the normal conversations. When you meet people, you're constantly interested in why do they think the way they do? How did they get there? And you always, in a nice way, kind of like I'm doing here in this interview a little bit, hopefully not too much, you'll interrupt and say, okay, I get that, but take me behind the scenes. And this is why, still to this date, if I could toot your horn for a second on your podcast, I can't tell you how many women have privately and publicly, because I do get a chance to listen to your podcast here and there, have said that your questions are some of the best questions that they've ever been asked because you really pull on that thread and you really go deep in the story. And so I saw you naturally doing that, which is why I was such a champion for you to do something in the space that takes a hold of your natural skill sets. And And I think that one thing I think about as an entrepreneur is that, sure, could you get better at writing? Yeah, I want you to get better at writing if you want to get better at writing. Sure, could you learn the whole book publishing aspect? And yes, you could do all that. Also, I believe in doubling down on what you're best at. I believe in tripling down on what you're best at. So if this is what everybody tells you, literally well before you had a podcast, that this is what you're best at, why not go with that forward momentum? And it's also going to be fun because when projects get tough and when projects don't always have the initial success in terms of the numbers... We have to only rely on the fact like do I absolutely enjoy this and do I want to, do I want to keep going.
0: Thanks babe, I appreciate that. And you know, one thing that I will say is so many of us have these natural abilities and these magical qualities that we're not aware of, right? So you on the outside are like, wow, she's super inquisitive. She's naturally connecting with people. She's naturally asking stories and getting behind the scenes. But when you're doing that all the time, you don't realize that that could be a superpower. So I just wanna also say that I appreciate you calling that out to me. And I always recommend that for other women who might not really know what what lights them up or what they're very good at is just to ask the circle around them, you know whether it's a friend or a family member or just anyone in your network like what do you see shine from me or what do you think I'm gonna cuz sometimes we don't even know that so i just want to throw that out there
1: yeah absolutely it's so good and and doing projects you know the crazy thing is if you weren't doing these dinners with chiza right you wouldn't be talking about these things it's not always about starting a new business and immediately thinking about an idea on your own and coming up with it and starting it. Sometimes there's a lot of people that are out there that don't know what business they want to start. So just even volunteering in the area that you're passionate about, just even getting a book club together, just even getting a walk of people that are in your space of entrepreneurship or women or whatever, just taking action so you can spend time around people who can reflect back upon you the things that you're good at. Okay, I'm going to pivot a little bit over here and we're going to talk a little bit about how it was, what was the easiest thing about doing a podcast, right? And what's been the hardest thing? Let's start off with the easiest thing, something that was easier than what you had expected.
0: What was the easiest thing that I felt came naturally to me was outreach and connecting with women. So it's funny when you look back at like your different jobs and careers, never would I have thought that certain skills from my finance banking days would have helped me with this podcast, but it just goes to client relationship, outreach, you know, following up with people. And I think that was probably easier for me to do just because I've naturally have always done that with people.
1: And that's something that even in the past, people that have worked with you have said that that's something that you're good at.
0: Yes. And I really enjoy connecting with people and outreach and it's very genuine.
1: So did you not think that that was going to be easy? Did you originally think like, because I do remember conversations where we were like, who am I going to invite? On? Oh, yeah. And I was like, babe, you know, so many incredible people. They're just right in front of you. And one's going to lead to the next. It's
0: true. That's true. In the beginning, it's very intimidating because it's like a new platform. You don't really think about your relationships, but it got easier once I started putting myself in action and started doing the outreach. And then it just felt like serendipitously things were flowing and it just felt right, if that makes sense.
1: It's, it's literally one step at a time. Yeah. Okay. What was the hardest thing, right? What was something oh, that gosh. was tough? Maybe you thought it was going to be tough and it was tough. Maybe you didn't think it was going to be tough and it ended up being tough. Anything that you can think of that falls into that category?
0: Gosh, there's a lot of things that come to mind. And I think there's one thing that I'm still working on. And initially starting out, it was really tough for me. So I never thought... That I'm naturally, I think I enjoy connecting with people. This whole podcast thing, when Drew brought that up on our, like our third date, I said, you're absolutely crazy. I will never have a podcast. Like I am not this person that likes to be, you know, what's the right word? Like in front of a mic, in front of a camera.
1: You never saw yourself as a host.
0: I never, no, I never But anybody did. who
1: objectively looked at your life know, would see that crazy. you would, you and Shiza would go back and forth in terms of welcoming the group. You'd play host. You do that naturally in your life. You do it one-on-one. So it was obviously
0: there. Yes, but again, you just don't have perspective on yourself sometimes, but I appreciate that. But that's
1: why but, I also think it's important to not take yourself too seriously and not think that you know yourself. A lot of times oh, we yeah. don't know ourselves. A lot of times we have no freaking clue what we're capable of. So we don't want to limit ourselves by saying I am good or I'm not good at this. Not that you don't have some sense but always add a little maybe at the end of it, right? I'm not good at this. Well, maybe. Maybe you just don't know that you're good at that, or maybe you haven't had people reflect back on you that you're good at that. Okay, so that was one thing that was tough. Anything else that you can think of that was tough in starting the podcast and putting it out there? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, the one thing that still continues to be tough, I will say it's getting better in time now that I've been doing this a few, two years in, is... As much as I want to say I don't care what people think, I do, because I do have these emotions, especially early on. Oh, my gosh, the first episode. I mean, you remember this. I actually felt sick to my stomach that my first episode was going to be out, and Drew was so kind to put it on his podcast, and if you guys don't know him, he has an amazing podcast in the world of health and wellness. I genuinely felt sick to my stomach when that episode was out, just because I wasn't used to putting a body of work out, and I was like, why do I feel this way? What is going on? Like, I'm excited about the guest. I enjoy interviewing people, but it was, I actually cared what people think as much as I don't want to admit that. And even doing this interview, right, we've been talking about, I've had so many amazing listeners reach out to me personally, and they're like, Yasmin, how did you get started? Like, I want to hear more about your journey. And I never thought that it was worthy enough to share my story. So this is even me putting myself way outside my comfort zone and trying not to care about what other people think, but I'm always, that is something I'm battling all the time, but I will say I am getting better as I put stuff out there. And when you start to think about, when you get yourself out of the way and you start thinking about this conversation, let's say, you know, all my past episodes is adding value to even one person's life. That is what continues to fuel me and continue doing this week over week for two years. So I try to get out of my way and just say, you know what, this conversation can be helpful, to even one person, and that's worth it for me.
1: And I'll add in one more thing. The reason that we're also doing this podcast now is that you have a deadline. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have another episode. You've been doing a lot of reruns. We've been traveling this summer. We took a little trip for my 40th birthday. We've been out with friends and other stuff. Your business has been busy. We're going to be talking about your business in a second and behind that empire that you're building over there. There's nothing like a deadline because you had an interview this week. And even though we've been talking about this and listen, babe, I'm the first person to do this too. Nobody wants to lift the heavy weights. We always want to kick it down the curve. We always say tomorrow, but there's something about having a deadline. And I think that's one of the best things about a podcast or anything where people are like depending on you. They're like waiting every Monday to see like, what are you going to talk about? Who are you going to interview? And so- Having this deadline, it was like, okay, you got no other options. We just got to do the interview today. So that's yeah. a beautiful thing about a deadline.
0: 100%. And also, I could have done a rerun, but I really wanted to push myself outside the comfort zone. I swear this podcast, in addition to starting a business, it has uncovered so many things and narratives that I've had in my head around
1: old narratives, insecurities, et cetera. Oh
0: yeah. So this is just my version of stepping outside my comfort zone and doing something that I have been sitting on for a while. So again, it's just like so important to do these activities because I think we make it bigger in our head sometime.
1: Oh, all of us, you, me, everybody that we look up to, we always make things bigger in our head. I want to go back to something that you shared, which is that, you know, you were saying that you care about what other people think. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that We all kind of do that a little bit, but we get better and better. As you said, we care less and less. We put less and less weight. And a lot of that is connected to our old insecurities, old narratives, the voice of a a well-meaning parent, but kind of, you know, put you down a little bit and they didn't even know it. Maybe they were well-intentioned in it. It could be an authority figure in your life. So I think it's important to talk about those. And I'd like to talk about that for a second because people then realize there's a lot of people that listen to you who feel like, wow, Yasmin's out there doing and hanging out with and spending time with the people that I want to spend time with. And so they look up to you in a way and they think that you might have it all figured out. And I think when you talk about your insecurities, just like you do, you like when Sarah Blakely or Marie Leo or Pyle or whoever else talks about it. So what were some of those old narratives that having something like a podcast or a business, again, we'll talk about the business in a second, what were some of those old narratives that have less of a grip on you? These old stories, these old ideas, these old insecurities that used to be a much bigger part of your psyche that now don't have that same grip. Like you can kind of see them from 30,000 foot away and say, look, I understand that that these are the thoughts that I have, but that doesn't mean that they're true. Do you know where I'm going with
0: this? I do. And I think for the podcast and business, it's a little different, Talk but about just both. What, what will come to mind for the business, I never thought I was ready enough to start a business. Like Mm. if you knew me as a kid, I was naturally very entrepreneurial and I was starting businesses. And I joke like I was the most successful as a kid and I had zero fears, like zero fears of starting businesses, putting myself out there. I used to like open the yellow pages and like cold call stores to like have my jewelry at the age of like seven. So I think I always thought as I got older, as I went to college, as I started like really following the right path of doing well, financially doing well, being in corporate America, going up the ranks, that like, I am just not this entrepreneur. Who am I? I'm like this badass in banking and I've done it really well and I could stay here, but I'm so far removed from being a founder and entrepreneur. And it was tough because when I did move into tech, a lot of people were like, what does what this banking chick know about entrepreneurship? Like what value are you going to bring? And I was like, listen, I have the hustle. I'm genuinely interested for my core. And I got so many rejections there. So I can talk about career switching on another podcast. I got a lot to say.
1: A future episode. Uh,
0: I know. So thank you for everyone who took a bet on me because clearly it worked out in that sense. But I think the biggest narrative was I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not ready. And I think me surrounding myself and listening to podcasts and listening to other people's stories, again, another inspiration of why I won the podcast, I had four one-on-one conversations with women that were starting their own business. And I just realized that there is never a right time. Like you can be very thoughtful around how to start a business, you know, make sure financially you're in a good place, you know, whether you do it on the side, keep your day job, you know, you need to be thoughtful about stuff. But I just realized all these women. A lot of them who had even young kids, and I had no kids at the time, nor do we have kids right now, though. But there was just never a right time to do it. So I think the biggest narrative was, I'm not a business person. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm so far removed from that world because that's what everyone's telling me. But every woman I met was... They didn't have their ducks in a row and they didn't...
1: Nobody know. gave them a certificate and said, you're officially ready. You now go start a business.
0: Yes, yes. They just
1: had to feel it inside. And even they started without even being ready.
0: 100%. And I think and that was my big, one of the biggest motivations actually to put these conversations out there because after four conversations, it completely changed my narrative around, I'm going to go for this. And another thing that I want to add, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but it actually did help me when I'm reflecting now is leaving banking to work in tech in a startup was amazing because you like a very early stage startup, because I realized no one knows what they're doing. This guy, you know, shout out to Jason Nazar, He's an amazing mentor, two time entrepreneur, raise a bunch of money. And we were all in one room figuring out what are we going to do? How are we going to move the needle? Like, how do we get product market fit? And I think just seeing other entrepreneurs and what kind of goes into it is like, we're all figuring it out. So that gave me more comfort taking the leap and you know eventually starting BIA.
1: So much of being an entrepreneur is being willing to pivot along the way, look at what is working, look at what isn't working. And actually your goal is to kind of not completely know how to necessarily do it because if that was the case, somebody else would have done it before. I think that's a super important lesson. This idea that You felt that you couldn't get started because you weren't ready. And then the distinction came from hearing other people's stories, which is the power of your podcast. Nobody ever was officially ready. They just had to get started. Is there any other, you know, I mean, that's a great one, by the way. I just want to acknowledge you for that. That's a really good one. I think a lot of women listening today can resonate with that. Is there any other one that comes to mind, a narrative, an old story, an old insecurity that was kind of like holding on, had its grip, and you were using as an excuse to not get started. So you gave us one in business. Is there one in podcasting that you felt? Like anything that you can think of, and it's okay for you to say no.
0: Yeah, with a podcast, you know, one thing that comes to mind is I've talked about a little bit earlier, just like the insecurity around putting myself out there, putting these conversations out there for people to listen to, because I never looked at myself as like a podcast host. And the first year, you know, I wasn't doing any marketing and anything. Again, this is like purely a passion project, especially in the beginning. You know, there w- it's not like I had a lot of growth with the podcast. And I know we had a lot of conversations around this in terms of you're not doing anything to move the needle forward in terms of marketing. And, and, and I knew that, but... I think when I didn't see the numbers go up and I'm I'm getting somewhere with this, when I didn't see the numbers go up, I internalized it. And the I, download numbers. The download numbers. Yeah. And I, I didn't see like the major growth, you know, there. I was like, you know, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe these conversations aren't amazing. But what I realized is again, thinking about, am I enjoying this? Yes. Am I moving the needle making an impact to women that I hear from? Yes. You know, whether it's three people, 10 people, a million people, like just having a few people just say like, this episode completely changed my life or I really appreciate you interviewing this person. That is what kept me in the game. And also the fact that I genuinely enjoyed it and I knew I was making an impact and I've never had that feeling ever in my life in any of my careers. So, mm. so that, you know, I had the insecurity around, the download's not going up in the beginning. And of course, you can easily internalize that. But luckily, I think through time, and because I've been doing this for a a while now-ish, is I just removed myself from it. I was like, listen, Yazna, are you making an impact? Are you enjoying what you're doing? Yes, things will work out. And you know, fast forward two years, I have had organic growth and things are great. And I feel so lucky and actually so surprised that the podcast has grown. But I think it just shows If you have intentionality behind something and it comes from a genuine place, you never know what can happen with a project in any sense. Right.
1: And also, just like money is only one form of currency, downloads is only one form of currency. There's all this other currency, which is, like you said, making an impact. And also, how about your joy? You're having so much joy when some of these women who are the creme de la creme, the top luminaries, founders, entrepreneurs, tell you that genuinely this isn't, these questions are great. Thank you for having me on. It's like, Yasmin, I just want to say, I go on a lot of these podcasts and you really do your homework. That was a really incredible interview. That was a really great question. Not only that, they followed up with introductions to other female luminaries. That is currency in itself. So there's so many ways to measure a project that have not... Exactly to do with the number of views or social media followers or this. So, I think another core important lesson and takeaway for the audience because you have to know what is your ultimate why, not to mention how does this project make you grow? So, that's my next question. How has this project as a podcast made you grow? Just give us a couple examples of different areas of your life of how doing something like this that eats up a lot of your time, right? Eats up a lot of your time doesn't necessarily make quote unquote money. You don't have sponsorship and other stuff that's on, right? You do advertise your business and everything like that. So there's awareness that's driven there. But what are some of the ways that it's led to just tremendous growth in your life? Any things that come to mind? I'll just start off with one. Okay.
0: <laughs> there's so many things. I'm like, which one do I want to talk okay, about? I'll start girl? off with one. Yeah. You see it every week and what I go through. I'll start off
1: with one, which is even so basic, it's easy to overlook. Your first episode you had a hard time listening. This happens to everybody, by the way, who's not done any kind of, this happened to me, right? And you don't like the sound of your voice and you're not used to hearing yourself out there. So the fact that now after many episodes, this even happened pretty early. This was like two months in after a few episodes, you actually like the sound of your voice. And Uh, that's crazy. (laughs) I don't
0: know if I like it, but it's way better. Yes. I can actually like sit through a, a podcast.
1: I, you like the sound of your voice. I want to go on record. I've always loved the sound of your voice. You speak clearly. You have great questions. And even when you fumble, because we all fumble, you always bring it back to something. There's an authenticity that's there. So don't cut this out of the podcast. Please leave this in. (laughs) I I want to say that you like the sound of your voice. And as small as it sounds, there's this thing where I think, especially because the way our society is set up is especially women Again, there's so many different dynamics and socially and everything that's going on in our society that kind of contributes to this. There's this feeling that I have having two sisters and mostly a female staff that works for me. There's a sense of like not feeling always comfortable with what it is that you have to say right? And again, there's a lot of societal factors that play into that and create that landscape of why women are more likely to feel that way than men who sometimes always, you know, don't always sound that great and have this blind confidence and just keep on going with it anyway, not good or bad, just saying that's the different dynamic. So I feel like you really see that you have something of value to contribute. You like the sound of your voice and you appreciate that you have something to bring to the conversation. So that's one small thing. Another small thing is, is that I think you've also now being in the content, Business of putting (laughs) out a regular podcast deadlines have also been something, not that you didn't have deadlines before in banking and in, in your startup world, but this idea of turning it around weekly, no matter what's going on, I feel like that's made you much more of an organized manager, even with your new business. Would you agree, disagree, thoughts on that?
0: Oh, thousand percent. There's a lot that goes into doing a podcast. And like you said, it could be very overwhelming, but I think just that deadline of just getting things out and you know, not overthinking stuff, I think is helpful. Like, There's a reason why I have a weekly podcast. It's I am pushing myself at all levels because I want to get more comfortable having these conversations and not overthinking stuff, right? Like in the beginning, the first episode, like you mentioned, oh my gosh, it was so hard for me to listen to my voice. I was nitpicking every little thing I said. And now it's like, you know, people are listening hopefully to get value out of this episode and I need to get out of my own head. And there's nothing better than just Doing quick turnarounds for you not to sit there and think too much about yourself.
1: In a way, you almost don't have time to do it. I have it. no time. Used to cut out little ums and ands. Oh, and I'm gosh. like, sweetie, everybody talks this way. Yes. You listen to my podcast. I'm fumbling over my speech all the time. I'm like, I'm throwing in ums. I don't know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And the content is still valuable. At the end of the day, what is the message? What is the component? What is the thing that you're sharing? And you are sharing incredible information because you're asking great questions. Any other aspects of growth that you feel like you've gotten from this? Any any other things where it's forced you to stretch? Any aspects where you've gotten out of your comfort zone and it's kind of made your life better in some respects? Or if those two are it, then we'll move on to the next thing.
0: I feel like the theme of this podcast that it keeps bringing up is me doing this podcast again, is, is getting over my fear of what other people think of me is I'm continuously putting myself out there. And I have seen growth of myself in that aspect because you realize like, oh, certain things that you say resonate with, with people. And it does build your confidence in time. And I just now see it with Bia because we do so much content before I never even like to be on stories and like show my face. And the fact that I feel so much more comfortable just being who I am. And listen, I still have a lot more work to do there.
1: You, me, everybody, everyone.
0: Yeah. It it, So that's been one growth factor that I've seen in my own life is just slowly not caring what other people think and truly like putting myself out there.
1: Well, I think it's beautiful and I think it's an important thing to share because there's so many reasons to do something tough, even if this podcast quote unquote didn't work out, nobody could take from you the growth. And by the way, it has worked out great and it's worked out for a lot of different reasons beyond just download numbers. So it's just a, a nice way to you know, look at a project when people are evaluating, and it brought you closer towards taking action in your business. So now we're gonna pivot to that topic. So give us a little bit of background. You were in the startup world. Prior to that, you were in investment banking. You had a little stint at American Apparel in between that as well, and kind of getting more into the world of entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, right? yeah. And then you worked with your dad for a while. He had a, he had a company. And you guys were working together and that was great, but it wasn't really the industry that you wanted to be in. Even when I met you, you were like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be in this industry for a long time. When did you have the inkling that, you know what? I feel like I'm ready. Not ready because we already talked about this, but when did you start really feeling the bubbling up of, I want to start my own business?
0: Yeah. So again... I had this idea, but never thought I could do it. And I think when I worked at a startup, a few startups, that slowly got me closer to, okay, maybe I can start a business one day, maybe in the next few years. And then I didn't have an idea. had no idea what that was. So I ended up joining my dad on a project that he had and working with him for two years. And I would say that gave me even more confidence of, being a leader, adding operational things in a business that I knew nothing about. So again, testing my ability to like be a quote unquote entrepreneur, maybe I was still an entrepreneur at the time, but just gave me more opportunity to just test the waters and see what I could do. And I think from what I did at my startups, what I did with my dad's company, I finally got to the point where I was like, I feel confident. I've done it for enough people that I I actually feel like I can do it on my own. But then it was like, what am I going to do? What idea am I going to have? Who am I going to work with? Like, I don't want to do this entrepreneurship thing solo because I know how hard it is working alongside and knowing a lot of women and men in the space. So I think it was the last job that I had with my dad building this business, and then COVID hit. And I think, and this is something that, you know, I've always wanted to figure out what my passion was what my purpose what this business idea was and i remember speaking to so many career coaches and them being like you know what you just need stillness you just need time to like think about what you want And i was like what does that mean i don't even know they're like go sit in a park i was like you're telling me to sit in a park i don't even know what that means but it hit me right it's like what's the quote when the teacher when the student is ready
1: The teacher appears. The
0: teacher appears. So it completely made sense. COVID came. Our business was kind of put on hold for about two, three weeks. And it just gave a lot of self-reflection. Oh, your
1: business meaning your dad's business. My dad's
0: business, sorry, yes. It, It just gave me a lot of reflection of do I want to be doing this? I was working my ass off, right? Because that's just who I am. We were growing. We were busy. But
1: Again, your dad's business. Because I know we're talking bus- about a couple different businesses. So just Sorry. making sure people yes, are Yes, I, I feel
0: like it was my baby too. Yes, my dad's business. Your
1: dad's business, which you were a partner in, yes, right? Yes, so it was yes. your business too. But I was just making the distinction that yeah, you're talking yeah, about. The- the company your dad's started. The
0: previous business. And I just realized, you know, I actually love building businesses. Like I have validated that through working with him, working at different startups, but the industry wasn't exciting. I know you touched upon that. And just the way the founders I've worked with, how my dad would light up in what he was talking about. I was like, I want that. I know I could kill it if I actually was passionate about what I was doing, you know, but I still didn't know what that was.
1: So I'll just take you from here. Right. So just, just to jump in real quick, cause I'm good at jumping in for good or for worse. You were at a place where you're like, I want to do my own thing, but you weren't sure. People were telling you to take stillness. It's in the midst of COVID. So the entire world is kind of slowing down a little bit. Our routine is completely different. Yeah. You know, I'm not working in the office anymore, right? We had also just moved in. Mm-hmm. We actually moved in right, right before, before COVID. We weren't engaged yet at the time. We were moving in. We were living together and we were sort of, it actually was great because we were getting a chance to spend all this time together. We were cooking a lot, a lot more than we cook right now. <laughs> what happened? And so what was the next big thing that happened that led you towards the direction of Bia, which people have heard you talk about in this podcast? You have some ads you hint, but you know we'll explain what the business is. but what was the next sort of milestone that led to, whoa, there is an idea here that could be a business. What was some of the steps that took you in that direction?
0: Yeah, when I didn't know what I want what business I want to start, but I knew I was ready for it, and I was doing a lot of research. I know we talked a lot about this at the time, like just reading about different industries, listening to podcasts, like really being still and just reflecting on different things that were going on that I never really had a chance to do because I am naturally a workaholic and I can easily just throw myself into work and not really think about what my passions are and interests. So it was a first time I really were like, oh, let me learn about this aspect of health and wellness or this food, like literally anything. I'm such a curious person that I would just dig into.
1: Yeah. That looked like a lot of being there with you. It was like, well, how does this business work? Right. Yeah. What's the profit margins on this? Well, what would it look like this? There was a lot of what if, Yeah. what if I could do this? What would it look like if this? So there was a lot of just, throwing that stuff around and seeing what's stuck at the wall.
0: Yeah. And I actually, I just remember this now when you were saying that I had a journal where I would write down everything, like different ideas, right? And I think that muscle of thinking about ideas, it wasn't natural to me because I didn't have to do that. So I was like, let me just get this muscle brewing and just thinking about like being creative and ideas, like what could I write down in a journal? So I think that actually helps a lot. And I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who also have this idea journal, just kind of gets you thinking differently about how things can be better. So I was in that phase of my life. And one of our drives down to see our family in San Diego, I was with Kea, my sister-in-law, Drew's sister. And we always are talking about different business ideas. Like this is just part of the family.
1: Yeah. And for a little context, my younger sister, Kea, she's been a part of all the businesses that I've started over the years. This current business that I have. The, my last business, and I just really enjoy working with her. I also have the pleasure of working with my older sister, who's a big fan of this podcast, both Kea and Herschel are So shout out to them. Yeah, they're amazing. So we were all driving down to San Diego.
0: We're all driving down to San Diego, and we were talking about different business ideas, and I was, what's common, you know, every month complaining about my period. And I know the podcast listeners have heard me talk about this, but it was really, really bad. And I've always been very passionate about women in business, and I remember always saying this, even before Bia came about, and I know I was saying this to you, I'm like, it's a complete bullshit that we're supposed to level up with men in business when literally three to four days out of the month, you're completely out of commission. And I just felt like it was at a disadvantage and I just hated it. I was like, this is just unacceptable. So I was on probably a rant in that car ride down and Kea, you know, she was mentioning different things and she's like, you know, have you tried that seed cycling thing? Cause I had brought it up to her maybe like a year ago and I never did it. I thought it was completely wacky. I was like, I I don't really understand how seeds are going to help me. And I was like, you know what? I have nothing better to do right now. We're home, we're cooking. Let me actually like make this concoction at home because this is the perfect opportunity. We're not traveling. Like I can actually be consistent. So she had brought it up. I went home and I did it. One month in, I was like, holy shit, this is huge. Like I actually feel significantly better. I would say 60% of my symptoms were gone. And I actually went online to buy it because I was like, I'm just, this is too complicated for me. I want to just buy it from someone. And no one was really doing it the way that like my mind kind of created it. And, and I, at the time, I didn't even think it was going to be my business. It was just like, I had an idea of what I was going to go and purchase and it didn't exist. And I remember telling you, right? I was like, wait, no one. And I had all, it was like the light bulb just clicked or like serendipitously. Everything that I've been working for just kind of came in together. I had all these ideas and no one was doing it. And I was very confused. So that was just like the budding of really taking the next step. But it was quite shocking at the time.
1: Yeah. And I just a little bit more context that I'll add in for the story is when we started dating and you were telling me a little bit about some of the stuff you want to work on with your health, primarily your sleep. I said, you know, there's a great doctor over here. Her name is Dr. Dawn DeSylvia, and I wanted to go to her. I needed to get some updated blood work. Why don't you come along with me? And you were game. I always appreciate that. You're always game for my crazy health adventures and which is funny because now you're in health oh my and wellness. Gosh, I know. So you're doing your own adventures over there and you're dragging me along with you, which I'm happy to be dragged. So we went to Dawn, who's a medical doctor, you know, previously at UCLA and now had her practice on her own in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, she doesn't see people right now inside of the practice, but very active at the time. I think she might be taking a little bit of a break. And one of the things she did, in addition to running all your blood work and giving you practical tips and some stuff that she wanted you to do when it came to improving your sleep, because you had opened up to her about your cycle and times where you felt that you know, there was more PMS type symptoms. She said, you know, there's this ancient methodology called seed cycling. It's going to sound crazy, but it works. And I have a lot of my patients on it. And I remember after that appointment that you had with her, you and I met up a little bit afterwards. And I was like, Hey, sweetie, how was the appointment? It was good. I got to get this supplement and this and that. And you're like, Apparently I have to like start taking seeds. What the hell? Have you heard anything about this? Is this legit? Is it not? Not that you were questioning Dawn. You were just so surprised that it was probably your first experience of a doctor using sort of food as medicine in the treatment protocol. In addition to, you know, some dietary stuff and other things like that, that she had you working on. And like a lot of people, because this product doesn't exist out there, you just didn't necessarily get started. It was too much mixing and buying stuff. It's like a little bit of witchcraftery (laughs) that you're doing in your own kitchen, which can be a little bit intimidating for people. So that's a little background of it, of where it kind of came from. And then I love the, you know, you said something interesting, which I think is an important takeaway for your listeners, which is that everything just kind of came together. You know, you weren't forcing it. You weren't like, how do I make a business out of this? In that instance, it just came together, but you were putting in your homework of looking at like, what would it look like to do this? What would it look like to do that? And then the right idea found you. So fast forward a little bit, how long since that idea and inception, and then you and Kay decided to do the business together. Now she's your co-founder in BIA. How long did it take you guys to launch?
0: It took us, my gosh, launch dates, talking about deadlines and everything. We thought that we would launch, you know, let's say in six, seven months. Of course, in business launching, there's always things that happen that kind of push that date. But it was important for us, the first thing that we did, which I always share with people that I think was critical in us doubling down on seed cycling, because we still didn't know if this product was going to work for people. We're like, we have an idea. We're not attached to it. We're just passionate about helping women, you know, with their hormones and health using food, but, and maybe seed cycling could be it, right? Just because of my own personal experience. So the first step was we did a beta of 30 women. We sent them like our protocol and we did that for three months and we saw significant changes. So that gave us the confidence to like really double down on the idea. So I always love to share that because I think it was so helpful for us early on. And then we actually were looking for a medical advisor and kind of talking about how things happen serendipitously when you like put the energy out there and and you're ready for it, like energetically you're there. We have an amazing doctor, Dr. Karina Dunlap, who I reached out to on Instagram. I just really liked her vibe and it was just a conversation and she got really excited about what we were building. So we also had her in the loop. So that was a great element of it because she has a background and research. And that was really important for us with anything that we're doing. So we had the team together, we had this beta. And then I would say probably a year later, the official launch happened. A lot happened obviously between all that, but it took about a year to get it out So
1: same question with the podcast. What was something that you thought, whether you thought it was going to be hard or whether you thought it was going to be easy that came to you naturally, right? On the easy side. And then what was something Maybe you thought it was going to be hard and it was hard. Maybe you didn't think it was going to be hard and it was hard when it came from idea to actually launching. Because I think a lot of your audience, because I have my friends that listen, I get a chance to meet some of the women that found you organically. And I think a lot of them I would put in the category of budding entrepreneurs. They were kind of like you. They're working in a company. And they're thinking and they've always felt internally they want to start something. They don't know what it's going to be, but they're surrounding themselves just like you were in the dinners and you continue to do today. They're surrounding themselves with inspiration and they're trying to think about like, what do I do next? And I think that for a lot of those women in that space, they're always wondering from like idea to creation, like what yeah. does that thing look like? So what was a couple things or one thing that was easier than you thought when it came to launching Bia?
0: Easier. That's a tough word. I don't okay, know. Okay. You want
1: to start with harder? Let's start up yeah, with yeah. harder. Yeah. I'm like, the what was thing? easy? Uh, <laughs> that might even be the answer because maybe nothing was easy in that period of time.
0: Yeah. Nothing was easy, but, and I'll get into this. I do think every shortfall that we had or any hardship, you hear this in a lot of my podcasts, but I've lived it too. And I truly believe it. Like things always came out better on the other end. So now it doesn't stop me in my tracks. But yes, going back to your question, the hardest part yeah. was-
1: Probably so many things to pick from.
0: I'm trying to think about, it's funny because I asked this question to everyone on my podcast. Well, it's
1: good for you to think about these things and and take your time. I'm going to seed you a little bit, right? I don't usually There's like to jump things. in. I want you to think about it a little bit, but just, I'm going to go through a few different categories. Okay. So the first one was, let's talk about just even business okay. partnership formation, right? So you had a business partner in mind, Kea, and you're also related to her. How did you guys get clear on what was fair, how much to both invest, how the equity is divided up? Were there any things that was helpful in that? Was it just honest yeah. and straightforward conversation? Did anybody advise you? Like how did you get that sorted out?
0: Okay, that's a good question. So maybe we can talk through the a few fundamental things to get the business yeah. off the ground. Cuz yeah, this one wasn't hard, categories. but let's I think it's important. Categories. Yeah. So I think and this is something I learned working with my dad and family, right? So we didn't have any kind of writing, nothing, you know, written down about like our roles because we're like, we're family, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Luckily nothing happened, but it just made me realize how important it is, especially, I mean, listen, everybody should have contracts in place, co-founders agreement, just things written down and having these conversations early on are really important. And some of that is what is your role in the company, right? Like I think the best partnerships are, and this is just also for me, interviewing amazing women on the podcast as well, is that we have completely different skill sets, right? So thinking about Kea and myself. Kaya's been a part of many businesses, so she has amazing business acumen, but I really lean into operations and finance and business, which I love. Kaya is like amazing at, she's been in the space, right? She is like the health and wellness guru. She knows a lot more than me. She's amazing at content. She's also amazing at the connection she's had in the space. And she's like a phenomenal writer, which I know sounds really small, but like I hate, genuinely hate writing. So just even something like that, partnering up with someone who we just have different skill sets. And we both really lean into that, I think is huge. You know, we do so much content right now because Kaya is just so amazing at strategy behind that. And that's her superpower. And our business, I think is running, you know, I'm doing my best to make sure it's run well, because that's something I lean into. And I love operations in general of like the entire operations,
1: outreach, outreach. And again, going back to the original drive, it was you and Kaya on the drive down and you were kind of spitballing with her. You guys had a couple of different things. And I think she was gave you the prompt of like, why don't you do seed cycling? Yeah. So the
0: idea really came from her. A thousand percent. So I think finding someone who has complementary skill sets is super important. We were very clear in terms of like equity, how much we're both going to put up, just very clear on roles and terms in our contracts agreement, which I think is really important. It might feel uncomfortable with some people, but it's game changing.
1: It might be uncomfortable. And there's so many people that don't do it. There was somebody recently that was in our world that just even reached out even with all their experiences that it even happened to them yeah, things a lot didn't of get clear and this happens by the way this happens to very smart people yes yes we know a lot and of there's the feeling and thought that it'll all just figure itself out yeah. and if it's not written down especially like an exit plan of like what if one partner doesn't want to be involved what How if do they we, don't want to do yeah. it if the duties are not delineated and yep. equal protections on everybody's side yep. it can cause a lot of problems later on Yeah. okay exactly. so that's one category right so that was business partnership formulation etc Right. Yeah. How about when it came to product Product, development? Right.
0: Product. Oh, my gosh. So hardship with product. And I know I talk a lot about this on my podcast. So I never thought I'd be in the food industry, you know, nor did I have any intention of doing that. So I knew nothing about this world. But how I started the first initial steps were how do I even create this product, right? We need to ground the seeds. Like, what does that even look like? Like the most basic questions, like, do we do it in a machine? What kind of machine? Are there people out there that do this for you? I was learning about co-packers. I had no idea what that word even was, but they're essentially contractors that you work with that can create your product. So I literally like Google is and was, it's still my best friend. Anything I don't know, I Google. So I always think you can figure something out, whether it's through a conversation or Googling really well. And I was just dialing for dollars with co I remember sitting there. I don't know if you remember, babe, but remember. literally it was like 50 <laughs> people I'd call. And one out of like the 30 conversations was a really thoughtful and kind human being that just was able to answer questions that I had. Like, what are your thoughts around how to do this seats, like, like grounding seat, like really basic stuff. So I feel really blessed that I had people that guided me, but it was just a lot of outreach. So once I kind of figured out how to do it, thought I had someone, shit hit the fan there with a co-packer, I was so excited, he was working on our beta, I got the product, it tasted like complete crap. Luckily, I did not put in a big purchase order with him, I know people who do, you know, I always recommend because of my experience, like you test it out first, you know, Go visit them, whoever that co-packer is. Like, do not put invest too much money in something until you realize, like, this is the right partner for you. So, that was huge for me. I got lucky, even though I was incredibly sad, none of the product worked and we couldn't do the beta. So, talking about launch date, there goes another six months of us, like, getting it out there. So, what I ended up doing. was (laughs) straight up going on Amazon, ordering these blenders, like these very specific blenders. I got like four or five of them and I was straight up doing Industrial blenders. Industrial blenders, yeah. They fit in our kitchen. So I literally turned our kitchen into a little testing station. And I was like, you know what? I need to figure out how the heck I'm going to do this before I really rely on someone because I got burnt. Like I felt like I just need to figure out the right way to do it. And our kitchen was a complete mess. Like there was, God bless Drew. He was so supportive during all this. There was seeds everywhere. But I was like, you know what? For the beta, like we're going to do this in-house and I'm going to watch the whole process. And I did it for like 30 women. And it was just a great experience because I learned how to put the product together. So moving forward, I knew what it took. With whoever I ended up working with,
1: you know, I forgot her name, but the woman who started Health Aid Kombucha mm-hmm. on your podcast, yeah, I, Dana I, I, Trout. Dana Trout. She was on the podcast. Uh, when the episode that I listened to, they got started selling at. Farmer's markets you know I've heard people who
0: in her kitchen too in she her was kitchen
1: you know you just start off with a little bit here and there wherever you can to understand the basics of the process, yeah, I want to say I was so supportive of it because you know you like things a lot tidier than <laughs> I do and I think that once you started a business and you realize like you know things have to get messy and you can't always clean and also maintain your business at the same time and do everything else. You became a lot more lenient on me, which I appreciate. There's nothing like being in the thick of stuff. That's what people say about kids. You have kids and all of a sudden the stuff that you cared about before, you can't care about as much because you're just trying to like freaking survive. So I was all in. I never gave you any shit. I just want to go on record. I just say I was super supportive. And But I really love about that, sweetie, is that you just rolled up your sleeves and the entire time, it's another lesson that I've heard many women on your podcast talk about, like Shilpa, uh, a friend from Kuyana, I believe I remember her saying that she wasn't afraid to ask dumb questions. And still to this date, you're not afraid, and still to this date, even though I've started a couple businesses now and exited one, you have to be not afraid to ask dumb questions or literally type in that dumb question into Google because it's not dumb. Even if you don't have experience in the industry, even if you're not sure, and you would call people up and you say, listen, I know this is a dumb question. Fine, you can preface it that way if you want to, to soften it, but how do you handle this? And sometimes people, especially if they went to top schools, if they have a good education yeah. degree, they don't want to look stupid in front of other people. But to start a business, you got to kind of look stupid because you're trying to figure out the angle that if everybody was so smart, they would have already figured this out oh, and yeah. somebody would have launched this business. So I really appreciate that about you. I feel like it's a trait that I have as well too. And I think it's something that if anybody's listening, mm-hmm. lean into that superpower which is asking dumb questions when you genuinely don't know. And they're not dumb. Okay. So that was product. Marketing.
0: Marketing. <laughs> Marketing
1: brand. Let's put those things together. What are some stuff that came up for you in that category here?
0: I'm trying to think about what it was like super, super early on and how we thought about brand.
1: How did you come up with the company name? Yeah, And how did you come up with the company brand? Right. It's always that balance of like putting enough time into it, but not putting in too much time that it distracts you from everything else that you have to do. Any lessons for your audience from that? Yeah.
0: I mean, everybody can do this in a different way, but the way Ken and I really thought about it was, so with the name, we were building this company without a name for a while. That one was a little tough for us, but Bia and your language in Gujarati means seed. So we're like, oh, no one has it. You know, we basically looked to see if it was trademarked, if the domain was available. So luckily that was available. So we just went for it. So that's always just a good one on one, right? Like see what's
1: another lesson, important lesson. I just want to pinpoint that. You didn't wait for the perfect name to get started.
0: Yes. Yeah. You just started. The name was like, it'll come to us 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of people wait for the name. It's like the name is useless. Like, well, they spent all opinion. this
1: time on a logo. Yes. And is that really the thing? That is the most important thing to move forward when you have all this other stuff to do.
0: Exactly. And you know, we did have to change in the name. So luckily we didn't spend so much money on branding. It was still heartbreaking, but we were able to pivot faster than someone who, let's say, spent a lot of money doing everything with their their name and their logo and branding and whatnot. But we were pretty nimble early on with the name. But yeah, we got started without the name. And in terms of branding, Kay and I were really focused on let's make the best product for someone. And the branding was important. It just had to feel right for us. You know, I found this amazing woman who was in Colombia with an agency, you know, she was reasonably priced in our budget. I think I was like getting quotes from people anywhere from like 50 grand. I'm like, that is way too expensive to like five grand, three grand. So I found someone that was just like very moderately priced just to get our first version out there. And in terms of brand, you know, we just wanted to make sure that it resonated with K&I in terms of like colors and styles, like we had an idea, but we didn't focus too much on brand and that, I'm not saying that that's a right thing to do. That's just how, what we focused on. In you terms were focused of on good enough. Just good enough, good enough, but with a lot of focus on product, a lot of focus on impact there. So that's how we leaned into it. And it wasn't until, and I know I was telling you this, even with the website, you know, I did spend some time in startup world. So I I knew enough to like work with a developer very scrappily to get our website up. But our website, I was like embarrassed of it. I think it's, yeah, if anybody wants to go now, like it's live. That website for me was done super scrappy. And I think that was important to K and I, because we were trying to still figure out, is this going to, it's different when you do a beta, but it's different when you Sell a product, and it's out there in a the market. Like we still didn't know what was going to happen, so we didn't want to spend so much money on a website when we were still like fact finding: is this going to work? What well, resonates? We were down to pivot in any way we can to make sure that the product was working well and resonating with our audience. So we didn't spend too much time making everything perfect.
1: You know what I love about that is Seth Godin. You know, prolific writer in the space. You know his work. A lot of people might know his work. He always reminds people that product development is marketing. Is branding, because how your product performs is the most important thing, and that is initially that brand expectation. What is a brand? A brand is a promise that a company makes and sets an expectation. It's a promise or an expectation that's set, and then it's fulfilling on that. So developing the best product you can is the first and most important thing. You can have the most beautiful brand in the world, and then the product doesn't work, and all of a sudden you're in another problem. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering this, and I'd love to ask this. Where did the money come from to start the business? right? And how did you navigate that? And did you raise money? Did you not? And if you didn't raise money, why did you choose to go down that path? So let's chat about that a little bit. Most of the women on your podcast, I would say probably 70% raised money from outside capital for their idea. You didn't. So where did that money come from? And why did you choose not to raise money from the outside?
0: So the business is self-funded still to this day. So can I put up the money? And I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but you know, I feel very fortunate that I did have jobs that paid well. And I was always saving because I knew at some point in my life, I wanted to take a risk, whether that was starting my business, switching careers. Like I just knew in my gut from like my first job, that saving was going to allow me the flexibility and freedom to do what that was. And lo and behold, 10 years later, you know, I actually invested, which is, funny, because I invested that money in the stock market. I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. Just people told me, you know, like, put your money somewhere. And it actually doubled. And so when I was thinking about, okay, where can I get money from? I was like, oh, I have, I I put away this capital for the past 10 years. It's more than doubled. So I used that. It was around 60,000. So I feel- Yeah, we're
1: not talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is another important reminder for people who are listening. Yeah. So you probably put away and started saving- Again, in your first few jobs that you had, early jobs. I think your brother in law, yeah, shout out to Lance, financial advisor. He was saying, you know, you should put this away in the stock market. On average, historically, the stock market doubles every 10 years, right? And so you were right along with it, right? And you, did you know that the money had doubled? Or did you open it one day and you're like, let me use that money and oh shit, where is it? Wow, it's doubled.
0: I had no idea. And I, that sounds really ignorant, but like I literally forgot. Not even, I, I knew it was in my account, but I wasn't looking at it every year to see where the growth was.
1: Between, Which is both, you know, good and bad. <laughs> I, I, I think that's actually good, right? Yeah. You set it and forget it. I set it and right? forget
0: it. And I knew I'd use it one day in the future, but yeah. then you just forget that that future, like we're live, I'm living in the future where I actually needed it. So, it was amazing. So yeah, that money doubled. So I used that for my startup investment and Kaya also had saved money as well. So we both put in our own dollars just to start the company.
1: Yeah. And looking back now, would that be how you would still do it? I mean, it's only been about a year and a half since you guys have been out there, but would you record who should go that route and who should go raise capital route in your experience? Yeah. I mean, there's so- And from talking to women.
0: I- yes. And just I- a couple of highlights. Yeah. Highlights. Right. Cause there's so much that we can dig into there, but from my experience, I wanted us to self-fund this because we still didn't know where the business was going. And I didn't want to put that on anyone else's dime. So in just in terms of my own like personal feeling, I wanted us to do it first. And also our business is not a tech company. We are not creating hardware where I needed a ton of money to get something off the ground. So it, we started, we still are super, super scrappy in terms of like what goes into the business. Like, we are all wearing a million hats. I just hired somebody to work with me, you know, more full time. Shout out to Monica. We have someone amazing, Cassandra, that works with us part time. That all came in phases. I just wanted to make sure before I took anyone else's money that we knew what we were doing. I understood every aspect of the business. And I have control of what I'm doing, right? Because Kay and I, we weren't sure where things are going and we're still learning and pivoting and you know, we're gonna be doing more products, but it was more so of us really having control of what we wanted to do without the outside pressure of a investor, of course, caveat, right? There's different investors. Every investor has different expectations, but that's just high level why we didn't go down the route. And what I think is really important is our product is profitable. That was really important to me, right? I looked at the numbers like crazy because it was really important to me that let's say even we hypothetically raise money, you still want to make sure that your product is profitable. That's important. So we've been very fortunate that every single dollar that we make, we put back in the business. And that's just how we are running the company. I'm not opposed to fundraising. You know, maybe if there's a strategic investor who can help us get to the next stage in the future. I'm open to it, but for now, we really like managing and having control of everything that we're doing at this stage.
1: So how's it going? <laughs> We've been recording now for about an hour. Oh my so gosh, we'll it's been an hour? See, see how quickly that went? Wow. That's amazing. Thanks to
0: anyone who's listening for an hour into this. It's so amazing. how's it going?
1: How's the business going?
0: It's It's really amazing. Why do I say it's amazing? Is because, kind of similar to what I was saying about the podcast, The feeling you get of creating something from an idea and putting it out there and seeing it change people's lives, I swear there is nothing better than that. And I saw that with the podcast and that's what really inspired me to also start BS. Like I knew I wanted to make an impact in some way. So I just feel really, really blessed that we're creating something that is helping women because I saw the impact and there's nothing worse than feeling like shit a few times a day in a month or, you know, some people are even struggling every day with their hormones. So it's been really fun every day. There's some challenge and something that I'm doing that is completely stretching me outside my comfort zone. But it's part of the game, right? And I think a lot of it now, and now I understand what women on my podcast are saying, entrepreneurship is such a mindset game. And I think about it a lot, like how, because you can feel instantly overwhelmed. You know, even if you don't have a business, a job, kids, you know, life can be very overwhelming. So for me, when I have to stay level-headed, I have to make the right decisions. I have to like lead a team. I have to be excited every single day. Like I have just been thinking about mindset and health so much more than normal, because I think that's just so key to staying sane. And I've already been burnt out. I've kind of lived that life for 10 years. So some people start a business and then then they become burnt out. Like I've done that. And I really don't want to do that. And hopefully with Bia, I'm going off a tangent right now, is like my biggest goal is how can I build an amazing sustainable company, but also have happiness and health and well-being in my life. And I invite a lot of women on my podcast who have both, so I know it's possible. But that's a huge motivation in, in how we're building this, can and I.
1: Well, I just want to reflect back upon you that I've just seen you grow leaps and bounds into all the potential that's there. And you always share that you know, there's so much more to go, but there's so much more to go for all of us. There's so much more potential. There's so much more future. And I want to say, even though I do feel like you're a number one champion that's out there, you would have gotten there without me, right? I I always joke that I'm your number one intern. I'll move any boxes, anything that's out there, whatever you need me to do. I'm your number one intern. That's how much I believe in you always. And for people who don't feel, you know, maybe there's, there's, I think this is a very important thing because we've, we have a lot of friends and we chat with them and we share and other stuff. And Sometimes at these dinners and we sit with people, they're like, well, your husband is such an advocate for you or your sister-in-law is such an advocate for you. Or, you know, your parents were supportive and they told you to be an entrepreneur from the beginning. Those things are helpful. Those things are a huge privilege, especially the parent component. You know, our parents completely shape us. That probably is the biggest one that's there. But who you are at your core, you would have gotten there regardless. It's really a timing question and i want to really note that because i just want you to remember your tenacity and your willingness to not give up and to keep on making progress and moving forward is exactly what's brought you to where you are where if i could sneak in a little bit of alpha a little bit of a little bit of information which is that you guys blew past your first year goals financially and in your first full year, which is this calendar year of 2022, you're off to an incredible start. You're off to the path of, depending on what valuation you use and sort of the comparisons in our comparables in our business, you've already built a million dollar business, right? And you're well on your way to exceeding from there. I know that feels weird for you to hear, but I know <laughs> the numbers. I invest in this space. I know the end. You know, we don't have to get into the numbers with everybody over here, but it's weird for you to hear that, but you got to hear what you've built.
0: Yeah. And you know what came to mind initially when you said that? And shout out to Shilpa, the founder of Kuyana, because she had posted something, gosh, I think it was maybe like on Instagram, maybe three, four months into Bia. And she was saying these metrics and goals that you have is always a moving target. You know, you'll have a goal of like, oh, once I hit 60,000, not even like once I hit 10,000 revenue, I'm going to be the next, be happy or 60,000 or a million. It's like what I realized through this journey is it's not even, it's amazing that we've blown past my initial metrics. Yes, I'm super grateful for that. But what I've realized in the process is that it's always a moving target. So it goes back to the fundamentals of like, why are we building this business? Why are we here? Because once you hit 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, it's it's always going to be, you're going to want more and more and more. And I lived that life with my salary. I was chasing money my whole life. And I realized like that is not what brings me happiness. And I can see how anybody could get stuck in that in a business. And not to say that growth metrics and you pushing towards goals aren't important, but it just, we are always reminded of why are we here and doing what we're doing. And like, that's so important for us.
1: On that note, Yasmin, let's conclude. What's your why? Why do you do what you do?
0: Everything I'm doing with the podcast and business, the biggest theme for me is like, how can I support women to be their best selves in life and in business or in whatever way they wanna show up is like, how can I just be there for them and help them really show up as their best self? Like, I want women just to kill it in life. I want more women in business. I want more women to create that financial freedom for themselves. And if I can be a really small aspect of that, like that's my biggest mission in my life.
1: Yasmin, how can our audience keep in touch with you? <laughs> do you have like a podcast? Do you have an Instagram, anything like that? Oh where you my want to God, send them? how
0: funny. Yeah, you know where you can find me.
1: <laughs> well, this was great. And I want to applaud you for doing it. And I want to share something, which is that, you know, you have all these people you look up to in your life, you know, your favorite sort of entrepreneurs, you know, you throw somebody like a Sarah Blakely, her name comes up often, you know, and, and women that are in that category, right? Many, many of them way. that have been on this podcast. You'd always say, like, I wish I could see the early days of their business. I wish I could get a little bit of a behind the scenes. So, my challenge to you a little bit is that it's not about building the biggest business in the world. And then all of a sudden you start sharing how the journey was. Even what you're doing right now, just like it's not about the download numbers in the podcast just sharing a little bit of the honest experience. You know, you're not out there telling everybody you have it all figured out. You're just sharing your honest experience of whatever it was like. You're doing the documentation process of your business building. And sure, you may have gotten things right. You may have gotten things wrong, but it's your experience. And I truly believe that's valuable to people. So I'm just going to go on record to say that I don't care if it's with me or with somebody (laughs) else, but I'd love to see you do more of these. And I think your audience would get a lot of value from them.
0: And if anybody wants to give feedback on this and what you want to hear, I would love to hear from you. Message me on Instagram, tell me what you want. And I would love to share my story because you're right. I do. I always had questions on how people got started in those very, very early, early stages. So I think that's a good point.
1: Well, you did great. Thank you. Anything else?
0: That's it. I can't believe it's been an hour.
1: All right. We'll see you back next week (laughs) on another episode of Behind Behind a Empire.